tomatoes are berries. Raspberries are not berries. Are avocados berries? Yes. <laughs> most fruits are berries, and most berries are not berries. Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 169 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the Game of Dev Comedy Podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and my coffee is too damn hot. I'm Sam and I'm the visualizer of imaginary space. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is September 17-ber. 20 great teen. Like Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show. There's going to be profanity, and then we're going to talk about stuff that children uh, probably don't care about. So if you're a child, you can just scoot. You can just skedaddle on. Sally on out. Sally on out Get of on here. your scooter. Scoot on out. Yeah. A lot of people I've seen driving electric scooters around Yeah, town. that became a thing, I think, a few weeks ago. Just, just all just of a suddenly. sudden. Yeah. There's there's these, it's almost like a ride-sharing company mm-hmm. where they've got these scooters parked everywhere. You got your app and you kind of, I guess, like hurl your phone at the scooter and then yeah, the scooter's so. like, phone acknowledged. And then you get on it. And then it sucks. But it looks weird account. because they're they're extra long scooters so you can get both feet on it. And something about seeing somebody scooting with two feet on the scooter just seems it feels yeah. like because they're motorized. Yeah, they're totally yeah, motorized. So you can just zoom around on those things like crazy. Like yeah, seeing somebody on a scooter but not actually using the leg to do the scoot mm-hmm. move, and they're just kind of standing on it. I don't know. But it's another example of this kind of comical tech disruption thing because the apparently this is like a it's like a plague of locust situation where these scooters and bikes and things that people can just get with their phones and then ride around have just been unceremoniously sort of dropped in most major cities in the U.S. Mm-hmm. as of the last, like, six months to Yeah, a year. when we were in Seattle, we saw those those green, those lime bikes. All over Green bikes everywhere. And we kept seeing them just utterly destroyed with, like, wheels bent in half. And <laughs> yeah. one of them was 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 up on a terrace crammed into a bush with its back wheel missing. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> How'd you get that there? But I think they... The other interesting thing about it is it's definitely one of those ask for forgiveness, not for permission things. Because apparently there's been a lot of cities who are like, we we don't have any rules now about like where are you supposed to put your scooter? Because they're blocking sidewalks. They're yeah. just like showing up all over Yeah, the, the scooters are parked on the sidewalks. People drive them on the street. Sometimes. Yeah. Like I've seen so many people just driving their scooter in, in traffic. They're not wearing a helmet. They're not mm-hmm. wearing – they're just like, I'm done with work. And they hop on their little electric scooter yeah. and now they're just like going 15 miles an hour – with cars lining up behind them. Yeah. It is a great way to die. It's a great, it's, I mean. It's just one of those things. It's going to be probably one of the more peaceful ways. Right, I mean, it right up until the exact moment yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you get You're just scooting <laughs> along, having a great time, and then suddenly you're not in this plane anymore. You're just gone now. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Out of the whole, I, riding a bike to work and stuff is something that I've always thought would be really cool to do. Except I tried I it once. I don't want to die, though. And so I just, I think. The best policy is to be in your car no matter where you go in the U.S. because everything is so non you need to wear armor. bike friendly. Yeah, because you have to have armor, mm-hmm. and your armor has to be the size of a vehicle. That's true. Those Otherwise, you basically dead. need to get in your mech yeah. But yeah. to go to work. Yeah, if they, if they make mech scooters where you sort of – you stand on the thing and then kind of uh, you know, like Iron Man style, yeah, just kind armor. of goes all around you. And, and then it's just got little you. tiny scoot wheels on the feet, yeah. and then you just stand in the Iron Man suit while awesome. you scoot feet. Take you. <laughs> if we learned anything from the Iron Man show, if you're in that suit, anything can happen to you, and you're fine. Yep. Except for that guy who who got paralyzed when he fell. Yes. That that oh, right. that one did happen. Yeah. Because for some reason he couldn't. Well, he, he, he didn't have fine. the main character. You know, he, he didn't have that buff or uh, the main yeah. character. <laughs> <laughs> He's a he was a secondary character. So yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, let's get on to the podcast. First, we'd like to thank. Uh, our don- donors from moneygrab.bscot. I'm always going to say donators, but that's sure. Why know. not? Let's make it a uh, thing. Trademark. Uh, this is from moneygrab.bscot.net. These are people who have uh, supported the podcast financially, and this is and also with their organs sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. people keep sending us kidneys, which yeah. we're just kind of eating them because I don't really like. We what don't. Else do we've already do got two. Yeah. yeah, we're not medical doctors, but we can eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they're they're okay. They got a tang. They got. A, they got. You got to yeah. put some uh, red chili powder on yeah. them. Yeah, that helps a lot. Yeah, uh, and we got a message from a delicious cookie who said, "Hey guys, because I'm following this podcast and the company since about episode sixty already, two years. I wow. thought it was a good idea to let some uh, let some brothers grab money from me. Free coffee for you. Thanks. So thank Thanks. you very much. And also, we'd like to thank our recurring supporters who are donating on a monthly basis, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right, on to the news." Uh, so this past week in the studio, we had a big sort of admin week where we 
spun up a QA division. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. So it was one of those things where we had been, you know, we, last week we talked about the Nintendo announcement and all the work that went into that and this, this sort of six-week stretch of building a bunch of stuff, doing much marketing work, all this. And the reality was that also we needed to give them a playable of level. Yeah, head. they needed to they needed to make sure we had an actual functional game before they would you know agree to part- mm-hmm. have us participate in literally anything, which is I guess seems reasonable. I guess it's fair. And the the problem with it though is that because there's so few of us and we all are doing everything that if we wanted to test the game to make sure it worked on those on the switch or frankly on anything uh we have to basically stop development or stop marketing or stop web development and when they're also there are two kinds of it working right there's the it works while you're developing it which means you haven't tested for edge cases and whatever you you basically have tested the things that you've done to make sure that Mm -hmm. they worked more or less as expected i need to implement throwing the package i code that up i throw the package a few times it works seems good you didn't you don't then also go on and just ask what happens if i throw the package into a hundred different things what happens if i throw the package on android versus yeah because i got shit to do yeah you know Mm -hmm. and so so playable uh, in development is very different than playable for a human being who is not making that game Yes. A player. A player. Someone will say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so we realize we just don't have the we don't have the bandwidth to be able to reliably, if anybody comes to us and says, Hey, you know, we have this opportunity for you. Can you take part? Uh it, there's always this sort of there's too much push and pull right now, or at least there was, uh, for us to be able to say confidently say, Yes, have a build and have it not be sort of a flaming dumpster pile when they got it. Yeah. So that's sort of the goal of the QA department, but it has been a bit of a I mean, there's always admin work associated with these sorts of things. So we got new machines. We got we cleared out one section of the office. Total office rearrangement. Uh huh. And it was uh, like a big moving day. Yeah, so. they did a bunch, just a ton of this sort of you know these all these odds and ends. There's also the, the IT people. of like making sure accounts are secure, getting all the software needed on the new machines. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then of course there's the like finding people to to hire part time to do this work, mm-hmm. and then doing orientations and and training and stuff like that. Well, and QA is um, particularly weird too because you could have you know we're we're a small company we're we make we work on our stuff pretty fast, but it's not like there aren't a million things to test all the time. Right. Um, and because of these these spikes of administrative work and stuff, sometimes several days go by and we don't actually get to make progress on the game. Whereas right. other times. A few days go by and the game completely transforms right. into something else. So our Q know? needs are our QA needs are these weird kind of spikes um, that that are that would be served well only by a part time group, mm-hmm. but further not just by one person because uh, a single person doing QA is not sufficient because the whole point of QA is to get a whole bunch of different you know sort of brains attacking yeah. On, yeah attacking the thing to try to represent the things that your players are going to do and we want to test multiplayer and we want to test multiplayer which requires multiple yourself. people <laughs> uh, and so yeah so we kind of had no choice but to but to treat this as sort of this experimental part-time gig because there was no there was no feasible way if, at our scale to make like a full-time QA team because then we would need to hire like four people full-time yeah, uh, and and then somehow feed them enough stuff to give them each forty hours of work. So they're not just sitting there being like, "When's the next build coming?" Yeah, because um, there's also that problem of of getting the game to a state where we're confident we could hand it to a tester and uh, have them just play through it without any like horribly game breaking issues. Actually, does take some upfront testing for us. Mm-hmm. You know, got to make the build, run it, make sure that it actually functions and everything. To get it ready for QA. We got, we got, we got to do some, we have to do a very small amount of testing, you know, by comparison to hand it off to the testers. Um, And so if we wanted to do continuous testing where like we had a full-time tester in every day and they're testing every change we make, um, then we would need a much more involved process to sort of keep, keep ourselves in line. Until we have a robot building our builds for us. That's just not really an option. Yeah. Yep. So, so this is kind of a very lightweight thing that we're doing, and we're gonna kind of just see, just see what see happens, see how it goes. But yeah, that should solve some of our problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, hopefully the games as we as they get patched or updated, and the new ones come out, they end up feeling just tighter overall, less yeah. problems on day one, which would be nice. Yeah, and so if anybody uh, in the future has questions about this kind of stuff, send them over to us mm-hmm. for the podcast, because I'm sure we'll learn all kinds of weird things mm-hmm. over time for this. Um, also, one final news item is, of course, Shenanicon. Yeah. It's happening. October uh, 20th. October 20th, um, and it is a four-hour event, maybe five. Yeah, we're still Ish. we're still hammering out the, the final details. Yeah, of the so this is like a super last-minute 
planning like we just thought of this a week ago and we're now throwing it together mm-hmm. um and it's it's a, an event where it's going to involve hanging out with with us the devs uh doing it we're gonna do a live podcast and we're also going to show levelhead and and let people play levelhead um mm-hmm. and that will be sort of an exclusive thing because we're not we're yeah. not going to be in sort of like an open beta at that time or anything like that so mm-hmm. you'll be able to get your hands on the game early and give us and and give us feedback on it as well and stuff like yeah, that so level going to be kind of the headliner of the of the show the sprinkle of podcasts and hanging out with devs around yep. it yeah and there so. will be food um so if you want to if you want to get involved in this event it's it's here in st louis it's on october 20th tickets are 15 dollars uh, which is largely to cover the cost of food, um, yeah, and putting it together, and and putting the thing together, which does take a fair amount of time, but uh, yeah, so it's it's pretty exciting. We've never done anything like this before. Uh, I don't know. You guys have any? Uh, I would say get in on those tickets because if you went over and you saw that the number of tickets available, you're like, oh, there are plenty left. I can wait on this decision, which is true, except that we haven't been advertising heavily because we wanted to yep. make sure that our podcast listeners and our you know, people in our Discord and stuff uh, who are mostly not local. Um, would have the opportunity to make plans and get tickets and get here before we try to fill up the event with more local people. Yeah, so the marketing is going to start this week basically for yeah. it to actually get all the tickets sold. Yeah. There's only 50 of them, I think. 40 now. 40, okay. And we, we kind 40. of assume – yeah, we kind of assume that a, a lot of the people will be just from St. Louis yeah, or from the surrounding area because, yeah, yeah it's – it's it's a evening event as opposed to like a PAX thing where it's a four day long, you know, mm-hmm. people coming from all around the world kind of a thing. Um, we're keeping it pretty small and, and simple for now. But yeah, so get on that. That's uh, over at meet.bscotch.net, M-E-E-T mm-hmm. dot All right. And also this past week, Sam and I learned some valuable life lessons mm. that we need to talk about. Yeah. Uh, what, what happened? We built computers. Yes. So, well, I think the the backup story here is that my laptop, the it started sort of bubbling in the middle, which that word applied to what is supposed to be a metallic solid object is generally not. Well, this is good. kind of like when your tire gets a sidewall bulge. Yes, precisely. But so it's my, for the laptop. My computer hit a pothole and the battery sort of like does this womp and it was – Affecting the keyboard such that the keyboard had a bit of a wave to it. Mm-hmm. I was just looking and I was like, this looks bad. So did I, that actually add some ergonomic improvements? It did actually. <laughs> my, left, my left hand felt much nicer. But uh, I sent a note to MSI, which is the maker of the laptop, and said, hey, you know, I got this thing. Uh, I think it's the battery because it must be the battery. And they said, yeah, that's definitely the battery, but you're out of you know, your warranty range. You're probably of course. way out of warranty by now. It's way out of warranty because it's like a four or five-year-old thing. This is how warranties work. When you need it, it's not there. They're it's, like, they're like, how? What is the most likely time this computer is going to break? Okay, well, we don't want to deal with that, so we'll just make the warranty right six months prior to that. Mm-hmm. That's it's it's only for to. covering lemons. Yeah. If you yeah. ever buy a warranty, you're wrong statistically, because if you buy every warranty over your life, then statistically you are on the losing side of that transaction. That's true. Yeah, you know. That's assuming you buy in, or you buy infinite things that could have warranties, or even if you buy a thousand things then it then it may or may not be it's a pretty good sample size (laughs) it's pretty good yeah so back to the laptop so uh (laughs) so this battery's bulging and i ask him like can you guys can you fix it or whatever else and he said well it's definitely the battery but you're gonna have to replace it yourself and then i do some googling around and and come to the come to the understanding that replacing the battery inside of this particular laptop is apparently like a nightmare hellscape nightmare hellscape you need nanites to do it probably and they're like you you can do it but it's also totally possible that you'll kind of break the computer in the process or so they're like you can do it but the technology to execute this maneuver just doesn't quite exist yeah. yet yeah and the problem is like the computer's already warped like it's already got some structural problems so I, I instead of being like i'm gonna go in there and you know pay a couple hundred bucks for a new battery and then sacrifice potentially a limb as the battery implodes while i extricate yeah. it from this and they don't machine. have they don't have like an, an unbending division over no, there yeah you can't mm. just like send it in they so bend it uh, so I, you know, I talked to Seth about it and said, Hey, I think I need to get a new machine. Uh, and then the battery lights start flashing. So I didn't know this was even a thing, but there's that light on your computer. That is of course the battery thing. It shows you, is your battery going to die or whatever else? Or is it charging? Also has another state for essentially if the battery panic mode, yeah, if the battery <laughs> can't figure out what it's charges anymore, then it has a different, it has like a flashing orange light. So this started and I was like, that's new. Google it. And it basically said that what that means is that the, the computer can no longer figure out what is happening to the battery. And then I also read that the batteries can just explode. And so I was like, maybe 
maybe it's time <laughs> before I burn down. Well, this our is your office. one. This is your one work computer. You yes. know, that you're using for everything. Right. So, uh, so we got. So I said, Seth, hey, I need this new, need a new machine. But I feel like so you guys built quite a few machines growing up. Oh yeah, I used to work in a um, computer repair shop even. Right. So I built a lot of computers. Yeah, I built all of my PCs, and I built. My wife and I are newest ones like six months ago. So I've I've built maybe three and usually it was in the context of with you guys also. And so when I came to this crossroads, I was like, I need to get a new computer. And then I thought, I hate everything about this. So <laughs> Seth, <laughs> Seth, can you figure out what goes in it and just get one? And Seth said, yeah. And also I need one too. So we decided to double up on it so we could have just a build day. And everything came in last Wednesday. The parts Thursday. are trickling in over the week. Just stacking up in the stacking office, up. and uh, so finally, it's time to do the build. And so we we get all the parts, we you know blow it out, and then Seth somehow remembers how to assemble this thing by memory. So I'm looking through the instruction guide, uh, trying to you know be helpful. Not really. I'm teaching Sam about thermal paste yep. and all sorts of horrible things. Serial ATA cables. Uh-huh. So yeah. we go through and we're we're assembling this thing, and two things happen. So one is that you have to you have to like slot things in to the motherboard, mm-hmm. which is the sort of yeah, I guess so, yeah, the major element that everything plugs into in your tower desktop. And um, the problem is that it's there's the board that's always like, hey, you kids, come on, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. get your work, behave. So it, the problem <laughs> is that it has these connectors and things all around the edges. And once you the, the directions given by the instruction manual were to put in the, both the processor and this huge fan. And and fully attach them to the motherboard. I got us some pretty beefing, beefy, beefing, beefy beefy (laughs) cooling fans, beefing fans. But the issue with this was that the fan was so huge that once it was was outrageous. I've never seen anything like it. To be fair, that fan is about half the size of my home cooling fan, which looks like a motorcycle. (laughs) So so once this thing was attached to the motherboard, you essentially have this skyscraper in the middle of this, you know, little plane of circuit, and you can't get your hand in around it. And around the case of the machine to plug in these various things. And so Seth uh, conveniently, maybe out of experience, brought this this roll case of various tweezers. You've got to have your tweezers kit. <laughs> and so it was like it was like playing operation. We're trying to get these things plugged in. And, and Seth's it's electrocuting you the whole time. Yeah, I, I have yeah, I have a kit. You know, I, I brought my PC screw kit, which has all possible uh, sizes and shapes of screws that you would need to build a PC. Mm-hmm. I brought my adaptable magnetic screwdriver kit that has super long, skinny, uh, exchangeable parts. But my favorite part was tweezer kit that neither none of them mattered when it came to this particular problem because yeah. we couldn't. You can't grapple whatever the the uh, power connectors are. You can't grapple them with the tweezer hard enough to get them yeah, to not wiggle around right. while you put them on these four tiny hypodermic needles that right. are poking out <laughs> of the board. because a you can't see the the port uh-huh. and also because the tweezers are even though they're like six inches long they're one inch too short such that as you like when whenever your hand hits resistance of the thing <laughs> you're trying to get through the tweezers still just not quite there yet mm-hmm. so you got to do it by hand and so it was this major struggle for i think like 20 minutes both of us trying to just get your About, fingers to cooperate get yeah. this thing lined this up this does make me feel much better about my own way of putting computers together, which is to not get enormous uh, cooling fans for my CPU. That's, I, I, mean, just, I just get the the one that comes with the processor, the shitty one, you know? Turns the thing is this processor didn't come with one. I got – so, <laughs> like, This doesn't come with one. I guess I better get give me a, an enormous <laughs> one. Give yeah. me a refrigeration device. I got, a, I got a medium and it's basically one. glued to the top now too. So it's – Oh, yeah. It's on there. It's on there. It's on there real good. So yeah, but yeah so we finally get these things attached and, uh, and then after that, you know, we – I think at some point we needed to stand up and both of us, we've been laying on the floor in weird positions, like kind of cropped up on an elbow, a knee. Or just sitting cross-legged. Yeah. Not even that weird of a position. (laughs) You sit up, both of us are like, (laughs) I could actually, I've had, you know, I've had my legs fall asleep, you know, where it's like tingly and stuff. This, in this case, my legs, I just couldn't feel them. They were just, I didn't exist. They were just completely numb. (laughs) You're fantastic. This is also what happened when I built my wife's and my machine's. A few yeah, months ago. your whole body decomposes. Yeah, it was a very and different it, experience than the last time I had built a PC for myself, which was like seven years. Well, this is that. exactly it because because the combination of of because yeah, I think I I last built my own computer from the ground up back in 2010, mm. which was of course eight years ago. Yep. I was 20 
22, you were 23. Sprightly. Real yeah. sprightly. You were mostly cartilage still. Mm-hmm. I was basically a baby. Yep. And I could I could be like doing a, a backward handspring while building this computer and yeah. I wouldn't have noticed, mm-hmm. you know. And now I'm literally just sitting and I and it's like the most horrifying pain I've ever experienced. <laughs> and then so there's like this this solid reminder of like, hey, you've aged, you've, buddy. You've aged. And then on top of that, <laughs> I'm looking at the parts and and the last time I built a computer, I needed to get a hard drive. I needed to get a CD drive with a DVD burner, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yep. This this computer, this new computer is made of parts that literally didn't exist back then and also is missing a bunch of parts that yep. are no longer used. I still remember back when we were first putting PCs together, putting in the the floppy drive. Yeah. yeah you got yeah. it. You put in your floppy drive. You put in your CD drive. You put in your DVD Yep. DVD Three different drives mm-hmm. and you yeah and your hard drive so you've got these like and they're all huge yeah. you know, you've got this so most of the cases these giant chunks of like boxes you yep. know that have different different mechanical moving parts in them this computer the only moving parts are the fans there's yep. no CD drive no DVD drive no floppy drive and you pulled out the terabyte solid state drive solid state and drive it, is it weighs like a, a credit gram. card it's yeah. like a credit card and it's got a terabyte of storage on it you know and i'm like what the and hell like, it's like where do you put it <laughs> oh you just like put it in this tiny little slot like right there you just the screw side. it onto the thing basically because it's not moving yeah it's yeah. good it has no moving parts you know and so so and then we're i'm looking at the case mine's actually just hanging loose in my case it, it, yeah, it doesn't I have just to hang it. It's just dangling. It, it doesn't. Yeah, you don't need it to do. It has no weight. It's a dangle brain. Yeah, yeah, because because a hard drive is literally it's like a record player. You know, it's got mm-hmm. spinning discs in there with little heads and stuff. And solid state drive is you know it's like a USB, it's like a thumb drive, right? right? So yeah, so just kind of after all that work, putting all these tiny parts in, and then stepping back and looking at the computer and being like, I don't even recognize this thing that I just built. Yeah. there's yeah. almost nothing in this case. What the hell is going on? And I even remember the case is really just for that giant fan you bought. Basically, yeah, pretty much in the LEDs. So, so everything yeah. about this whole experience was just like times. Time has passed. Okay, yeah. a significant amount of time has passed. The end. Well, we were talking I'm about it's, it. it's kind of like building your own lightsaber in Star Wars, right? You gotta you go into a cave, you get your what are those your crystals, crystals called? The yeah. Force focus crystals, and then you gotta go and as a rite of passage, sort of shove it into this device you and craft, not burn your hands off. Yeah. Now, and of course, Kylo Ren, he fucked it up and he cracked his crystal and mm-hmm. now his lightsaber's all like sparky and shit. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's going to happen to one of our computers. Maybe <laughs> maybe the crystal cracked him though. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Could be. Because he's, he's whack. Is that, that also might happen with our computers. It might. <laughs> uh, so, that, so there was this, this whole thing happened last week. And then all the way to work this morning, I'm listening to this uh, podcast called Crazy Genius, which is basically they, they kind of talk about technology and science and, and kind of new new things going on. They talk to a lot of researchers and, and scientists and stuff. And this time they were talking about aging. Convenient. And, and every time I hear people talk about aging, uh, I, like I get I get the, f- the fundamentals of it is that people believe that aging is largely sort of like information loss in your DNA as it replicates over time. Cause the, the telomeres, like the tips of your DNA stuff just get sort of like frayed and shitty over time. Well, they, uh, I mean, it's, it's not I'm, about, I'm parif- I'm like really, yeah, it's not about it information level. loss, but yeah, the, the telomere thing is, is both true and not required because telomeres, because of how DNA replication works, just actually have to get shorter every time your DNA is replicated. So every time you have a cell, every time a cell divides, divides your telomeres have to get shorter. It's the end caps on your DNA, right? right? Uh, and so at some point, if this goes down too far, then now you basically have this like loose end of DNA, and this causes very bad things to happen. But until then, it's like a short telomere and a long telomere. What's the difference? It doesn't fucking matter. Uh, but it's sort of you can think of it as like a timer mm. that's measuring number of divisions. And so once you hit that number, there's a, there's a there's a word for it. I think that's what the Hayflick limit is. It's been a long time. I can't remember all the words, but but the idea is there's a limit on how many times a, a, a new cell can divide uh, before absolute chaos, which basically kills the cell. Um, because it's gotten so short that it that doesn't it, have it, enough. Well, it's inform- gotten so short that it actually, it actually inserts itself into itself. And mm. so it turns into basically DNA chaos. And so one of the – there are many – I'm not sure which one you're going to be talking about, but there are many, many theories about like why things are this way because they don't have to be. And in fact, our stem cells don't do that at all. They actually right. – they have a, an enzyme called telomerase that increases their length every cell division so that they never get shorter. Right. And there are some mammals, I think mice actually don't, they just always have telomerase going. So they don't even have this happen at all. Yeah. Um, but there's, so there's one hypothesis, which is that this is basically an anti-cancer mechanism because well, it's not working. 
Well, but the, the thing is, that's not true. <laughs> it though, probably because, is working. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Like, just because we get cancer doesn't mean our bodies aren't doing a really good job of preventing us from getting it. That's right? true. That's true. That just means these are the times when it does finally Because if you think fail. of all the trillions of cell divisions that'll happen in your body it's over your lifetime, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah. Uh, and then like, also the number of just the number of mutations that happen in every cell division is remarkably high too. And so, so the idea is if you get a highly aggressive cancer, something gets divided. It divides real fast. And so it hits that limit. And, and then, then it just kills itself. Right. But of course, a lot of these cancers start to re-express telomerase and then they. Because they're mm-hmm. like, I think I have the key. They, they you guys have it in here and you're not using it. Somebody. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's all kinds of, and then there's all kinds of other stuff. And, and some people think about aging as a sort of a constellation of unique diseases. So. Mm. You know, deterioration of your your skin cells, sort of thinning, and and uh, propensity to get Alzheimer's and buildup of plaque, and and et cetera, et cetera. If you th- if, so, some people are trying to approach these as unique things and just trying to tackle them individually, and just thinking if we just solve all of these, then we'll just live a lot longer, mm, right? Okay, that's one approach. Some people are trying to look at the genes, and they're like, "But we should just try to fix this whole tel- telomere thing, mm-hmm. and maybe that'll work, right?" Uh, of course, nobody really knows anything about anything. They're all just kind of like trying shit. That's what experiments are, right? Yeah. Um, and so – and then other people are looking at really weird shit. And, and so like the, I heard this experiment about – they took a – basically they took a, like a baby mouse and sewed it to an adult mouse and fused their circulatory <laughs> systems together. Uh-huh. So that the baby blood is going into mm-hmm. the – into the and the adult mouse was in sort of equivalent aging terms relative to a human is like about a sixty five year old person, right? So it was probably like six months old. Yeah, it was basically mice don't live very. Yeah, long. they don't live very long. <laughs> this one also didn't live very long uh, because it was sewed to another mouse. But but so they, they took a bunch of metrics on its on its like blood flow to its muscles and its you know health of its liver and all this other stuff, and they found that you know after after getting a week of this baby blood running through its system. <laughs> Then uh, all of its vitality markers dramatically improved, as if it had like been r- brought down to half of its mm. age. So I was well, like, it depends I was on like, how much, I was like, are they just averaging the ages of the blood? Basically, could be. I don't know. Uh, so so they did this, and I was like, I mean, this is both fucked up. But interesting. But also, <laughs> what are the practical implications of this? Yeah, if like, it turns out it works, that means we have to start sewing babies. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. this is like this is such the epitome of of like an academic study. With no regard to what the sort of end point application of this, because like mm-hmm. if you if you come out and you go, great news everybody, we can we have found immortality. All we have to do is sew a baby to you, <laughs> yeah. and you just run around with a baby, uh, sort of sewed to your chest mm-hmm. for for a while till it grows up, I guess. Then you got to get a new one, yeah. kind of plugged in. But you probably every generation you probably have to attach more babies though, because now that baby is older. Because presumably it works both ways, you know. So the baby gets aged. While the adult gets young and yeah, they didn't say anything about it, and it may just be that like because of the the youthful stem cell blood or whatever the hell that like the 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 older blood maybe just has nothing where the baby blood has some I don't know, but <laughs> so so that was one experiment where I was like guys. Come on. Like, I love Because <laughs> the idea is pretty spectacular. Yeah. If you think about sitting around a table being like, all right, we got to figure this thing out. What if we just what if we just sew a young one to an old one? Just, just see what happens. You know, <laughs> we're running out of ideas. There were, there were lots of other things they could have done. You know, like just – Inject blood, for example. Blood, blood would have been in one. Or like a, just a transfusion. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah. they're like, no, it needs to be a constant stream. Just sew them together. Sew them together. I imagine uh, that – so there, there's, a, there's a thing called IRB. I can't remember what it even stands for, but it's basically – International Review Board. I don't think it's it's internal, maybe internal review board, something Perhaps. review board. But but so the, you, if you want to set up an experiment using animals, then you or have to people. basically or people. But people is another thing entirely. Yeah. But uh, but you have to go through this whole elaborate process where you say, "Here's what I'm going to do. Here's why it's important. Here's how many animals I'm going to use. Here's what I'm going to do to them. Here's how I'm going to minimize their suffering. Here's why I need." You can't that just many go animals. willy nilly sewing mice to each other. So not this, anymore. So in this case, they put in their application. And well, like, the thing is, like, like, we yeah. just need two. Yeah. So it's, at some point, <laughs> they went through this thing and they and they somehow came up with. There's some document somewhere that basically describes exactly why they're going to sew these mice together and, and exactly <laughs> why they need however many they ended up And a up bunch using. of other people looked at that and they were like, yeah. That sounds legit. This reasonable. This, is, this needs to happen. So, uh, so that happened. And then – but then this other guy came out and started talking and I was like, oh, this is actually like – this seems to make sense to me hmm. in a common sense way and it, it's potentially applicable. So he said – he's like, I, I wanted to look at – you know, people often talk about – uh, like diet and exercise and fasting, 
as being these sort of things that that extend longevity. They increase vast like vascularity of your muscles. They increase blood flow to your your joints and stuff like that. And oh, so uh, maybe the mouse was carrying around this extra weight because it had a baby sewn onto it. So it was really just exercise. So it's just exercising more. Yeah. And now, <laughs> and now it was eating for two. So it was also it was starving. also starving. Which yeah. And so and, and there and there, there actually is a yeah. lot of research about that. There there are these kind of longevity mechanisms that your body has where if you fast for a day then you get a boost to your immune system and mm. and a bunch of other things kind of kick in that otherwise kind of lie dormant and these things are really good for you of course prolonged fasting is is called starving and then that's really and then bad you die. <laughs> and so so All they have to wonder too like is it about fasting or is it about not eating and i say that because mm. Eating is bad for you, you know, because that's basically – You're introducing the, all this chaos. You're introducing your all this chaos in your body. You're introducing all these different chemicals that you your body has to deal with. It's just rough on your system. I mean it's it's both required for you to live yeah. and also just – and also about – it's like the, the, the main cause of all the mutations in your body is water. You mm. can't get away from it, right? Because water actually intera- – like it actually chemically interacts with your DNA and fucks it up. So mm. there are these processes that are happening all the time that are just repairing your DNA constantly. Because it's water's because like, I'm going to get right? in there. Yeah, so it's, it's, and it's things got, that are, as we discussed earlier, it's because it also has oxygen in there, yeah. which mm-hmm. is causing it's screaming, screaming and causing around. chaos everywhere. Well, that's, yeah. that's actually why that's exactly why the water just it really, literally just breaks your DNA all the time. Uh, and so food is the same deal. You need it. You need water to to do anything. You need food to be to to continue adding resources into your body to rebuild itself. Right. So it's all required. So basically, but it's saying, also very bad for you. So you're saying just like how if you take like a, a Tylenol. They're like that's it's it's fine and it's going to help you out. If you take a bunch of it, then it's poison, right? Yeah. And so and it's food also, it's is fine also and poison. Not fine. Even a small amount is both fine and not fine, right? It's just uh, it's just that your body is really good at at undoing the damage at small levels, right? Right. So there's there's basically no level of anything you can put in your body, even nothing, because your body's just damaging itself constantly. That, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Is, that is actually that is actually no good end. for you. Your your goal is basically just to find the things that are the least bad for you, right? And try to find those doses. And, and that I feel like this is just sort of summing up on a meta level so, the approach so wait, to life right. that I've been trying. Yeah. To so when somebody's <laughs> like, "This is a healthy food," the answer is no. no. It's not. It's well, just going to kill it, you, maybe on average. Well, it, just, it has to be. <laughs> it has to be healthier than starving, right? Mm-hmm. Which is true of basically. But as we discussed, many foods, small amounts of starving might actually be the healthiest thing. But it's probably just because you're not eating. So that's you know what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Not eating is the healthiest food, right? In very short bursts. What about correct. smoothies? Uh, what about them? <laughs> What's I the, guess I got stuck on eating the <laughs> eating. Aspect. I think it's just ingesting. I don't. Oh, think, yeah, I don't no. think the chewing part is the relevant. No, no, it's, it's, the, it's the putting of a thing. <laughs> it's one of those things where I said it and then I was like, "That was very dumb." <laughs> but I'm glad I'm I like that. where you're going now. You know, you're you're exploring the space. Trying to find the loop. <laughs> Okay, so all right, so so here's what the experiment was. Although liquids are probably better for your intestines, so at least there's that. That's true. Or they're yeah. worse. Or they're worse, could depending be. on all you kinds know what? Of Who things. just depending on what the liquid this is. This is the whole probably. thing when people are like, "I'm trying to optimize." It's like you are literally you don't know enough to optimize. You are self-immolating even when you're just. Oh yeah, you're just there. you're a walking explosion. Mm-hmm. All right, so regardless of the causes, this guy was looking at at experiments on fasting, diet, exercise, you know, whatever. And trying to find any kinds of hormonal markers or anything like that that might boost – that might be boosted during these events that occur that extend your longevity. Mm. He's like, what if I could make a pill that would trick your body into thinking that you had fasted or done exercise or done any of these stressors and kind of like introduce the hormonal benefits that you get that's from doing That's assuming that things. it's the hormone that's the benefit and not the fact that you're starving. Yeah. Well, apparently it is. The fact that you're starving. Or the no, hormone? it's the hormones uh, that get that get released yes. by that, and then that affects some of these like longevity triggers that kind of like kick in. So, so he's talking about all these experiments he with mice. He's like, "Yeah, but he's like, I found this molecule that we've started dosing these mice with, and we took a bunch of we did a, a bunch of like health experiments on them, and and ran a bunch of diagnostics to see how's their liver functioning, how how uh, long can they run on a treadmill, you know, like all these other things, and then." Give them this, uh, give them this molecule for a week, and then throw them on the treadmill again. Like on average, they're running fifty percent longer with with no other exposure to the to the mm. like to the treadmill. They're not like exercising the whole time to get faster or anything like that. So they're getting all these fitness results. And this guy starts just taking it himself, and do, so he started doing experiments on himself. So so he 
which he, I assume he did not pass through a review board. I don't think he did. <laughs> uh, and so he he actually went to uh, there's a, a clinic where they do a lot of they do a lot of blood work and other stuff to to check all of your vital signs to see what your risks are, like what your sort of um, mm. functional ages of different aspects of your body, so kidney function, liver function, these kinds of things. And he was he was 47, and before he started all this stuff his his sort of body age came back at about a functional level about a 58 year old mm. he's like oh shit so he started taking these things but otherwise consciously trying to make no changes to anything else and it came back with uh, as a 31 year old mm. after a few weeks of of taking this molecule mm-hmm. according to the things they measured according to the things they measured yeah right? so I don't know. The scientist is very skeptical in this room. Oh, yeah, yeah no. I, yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> sample size of one. This well, reneg- no, I mean, renegade I, scientist dosing himself with a drug. No, I mean, you know, he started taking little... the drug because he had already been doing the science for, know, a, yeah. for a decade yeah, yeah, and I publishing get... dozens of papers. About yeah, yeah. It. No, I mean, I, I get that part. So. Um, but yeah, <laughs> What are the long-term effects? Yeah, what are the well, long-term effects and what is it actually doing? Well, the long-term effects might be uh, that now there's just way too many people. Well, mm-hmm. that's already... Yeah. So anyways, happened. aging is complicated. Nobody knows anything about it. Adam is very skeptical about everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. About everything. Uh, yeah, this doesn't yeah, this has nothing to do with even this particular thing. It's just it's just this one it's guy. Just, <laughs> you know? Uh all right, well, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. If you'd like to get your question on to a future episode, you can go over there and then do that. Uh we still haven't updated that website yet, but it you know. Sometime. It it gets the job done. Yeah, yep. All right. First question. Actually, it's a pair of questions. It's about the splazet, which we'll talk about. Uh, Blake Buck says, it's been long enough. I would like an official update on Seth's basement slash closet spa. Thank you. Mm. Retro Banana Man NL says, how is the spa closet going? We haven't had an update in a while. Smiley face. So what is this? What? What is even happening? What's okay. the spa closet? Spa closet. I went and did a, did a float which is where you lay in salt water or whatever. And in the waiting room, I thought, this waiting room is super nice and it's very chill and meditative and it's a good space meant to, you know, just get you get you like out of distractions and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I thought it'd be awesome to have kind of a, a room in the house that's like that. I happen to have a fairly unused uh, walk-in closet in the basement. And I thought, I'm going to turn this thing into a spa closet. So that means getting sound dampening panels, mm-hmm. putting those on the walls, um, clearing out the space, getting a comfortable chair in there, and then a little table that I can put some kind of like maybe, maybe like tea. a white noise thing, mm-hmm. maybe some tea, you know, and but otherwise it's a distraction free space. So the biggest snag that I've run into is body heat. Yeah. Oh. Yep. <laughs> you go into all right, walk in closets tend to not be ventilated. Yeah, that's true. Yep. And you need to cut a hole in your door and put a fan in there. Maybe what you should do is instead of thinking about it like a spa, think about it like a sauna. There you like go. Like a just, steam bath. Yeah. Where I just steam bathe bath. in the steam of my own sweat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I, I I go in there and I, I've got the I've got a bunch of the sound panels on. I've got like 80 sound dampening panels up in there. Um, but so spending, can, you, can you feel it when you walk in the space? Can you feel the... Science. Yeah. yeah. Well, there, there's another problem, which is like, it's not soundproof. Right. So if something else is going on in the house, then you can kind of mm-hmm. you know, hear that coming through the walls or something. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing is you sit in there, there's no air circulation. So I would need to get you know, like a fan or something. Um, but then despite that, being in a room of that size for 20 minutes, it just, it just starts to boil, you know? Well, how much heat are you giving off? How many BTUs? I run pretty hot. So like you'd be like a prime matrix battery baby suspect, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's something I didn't consider mm. is like what I would do to the space. I was more thinking <laughs> about it kind of the other way around. Right. Uh, so I need to figure that out. Would a, would a cooling solution be just the easiest thing? I could get it could one double of those... the white noise machine, right? Yeah. I could maybe get one of those CPU fans that we put yeah. on the computer and kind of just th- thermal <laughs> Actually, paste that yeah. onto my forehead and then. Well, I was gonna say, or you could, or you could basically install sort of a metal, you know, uh, like a copper block into the door, and then put a mm. CPU fan on the other side of it, so it's not in there. So the noise is still on the outside, right? Right. It's, and it's just air. sucking heat. It's just going to induce. It's going to use inductive heat heat transference yeah. mm-hmm. to, on the door. Yeah. 
or you can then you can create a whole body kind of mesh made That's out exactly of where I was made go. out of copper. <laughs> With a cable coming out of the belly button area that uh-huh. goes into that thing that's in the door. Yep. So that, that way you're capturing all of your heat and you're running it through these copper wires mm-hmm. and then you bring it out the door through a CPU. Actually, thing. there's these things you can get that are for joint pain. It has a little – it's a little sort of motorized box that you fill with ice water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then it has these tubes. It uses liquid cooling. It has these tubes that go to things that are like wrapped around your knee or something like that. So it's more like a constant ice pack mm-hmm. as opposed to like if you put ice pack ex- directly on your body, then it rapidly melts and warms up, right? Now, is it your brain that's giving off all the heat or is it it's your whole body? Your whole body. I mean, your, so body, remember, your body is 98 degrees. No, right? no, I know. So, but yeah, and if like you good room temperature is like 70. But right? if you recall yeah. when we did, so we've done uh, scuba diving before and they're like, if you put, if you want to not get cold, the most important thing is to cover your head because you actually lose, I think in the water, you lose like 80% of your heat. Through your dome. It's, right? a, it's a high percent. It's yeah. absurd. So I was curious if it's happening in the same way. Because if that's the case, then you could just get maybe a cold towel. You know, before you go in there, just, just slap a cold head. towel on your head. It might work. Oh, turn it into a sort of a, like a, uh, what do you call it? When they do the face thing. It's oh, like the, a spot, uh, like a facial mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. yeah. Like a facial scrub. Get some cucumbers. Get some cold cucumbers. Pop those on there, you know? <laughs> Just have a real spa experience. Well, see, Make yeah. a cucumber hat. That's the yeah. thing is I lose about 90% of my heat through my eyes. So if yeah, I yeah, got, yeah. you know, some super cold cucumbers, maybe that would. But then there's that problem of like if I put the cucumbers on there, is it, is it cooling me down or is it just trapping the heat in my eyes because now the cucumbers are like an eye shield? And then now <laughs> yeah. I boil my eyes. Well, after eyes. you warm them up, then you start to boil your eyes. Yeah. So yeah. you got to be real careful with it. Yeah. Make sure you eat them after a time and replace them with colder cucumbers. Yeah. People yeah. never talk about – I was just sure now you have a constant stream of snacks. Beautiful. Just, yeah. So, you so just I've, got, I've got a bucket of ice water full of cucumber slices. Yep. And when the cucumbers get too hot to risk eye boiling, I take mm. them off, I eat them, and then I put fresh cold ones. Or you could approach it more like an assembly line situation. So get a cold towel, wrap it around your head, yeah. and the cucumbers on your eyes, and then – you know, more sets of cucumbers all the way up your all head up. so that then you pull this one off and eat it and then pull the next oh, pair yeah. down. So you kind of uh, got towel. like a cucumber treadmill. Yep. Yeah. It Go would away. be better to automate it and make an actual head treadmill. Yeah. Because I think yeah. one of the big points of this was to relax, but this is starting to sound like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've covered a lot of ways. You just either need a complete mesh suit for your body made of copper or yeah. a cucumber treadmill. It doesn't seem that crazy. It's not that complicated. <laughs> yeah. And either one, something else is doing all the work for you now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's and there's a third um, probably ridiculous option, which is to figure out how to get ventilation put into the yeah. closet. But that seems crazy. So we'll probably just go with the cucumber. <laughs> thing. Yeah. I mean, I suggested punching a hole in the door and putting a fan in there. Just physically. Yeah. Punch it in there and then just kind of jank a fan. Into that yeah. location as much as possible. Also, <laughs> jank it in there. <laughs> it's verb. As much as you love LEDs, then there's also a perfect opportunity to get a sweet LED fan embedded yeah, in there. Yeah, but LEDs give off heat, you know, a small amount. But, but very small. But amount. I mean, we're, you know, we're. We're already we're already over the limit here. But again, so put them on the outside. So now the fan is blowing, you know, from the inside through Ooh. some LEDs to the outside. See, the problem is my burn rate is too high. Yeah. Of what? Of my body. Of body. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just a walking fire. This is exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. So I don't want to. I don't want to increase my expenses of heat by adding LED strips. I gotta. I gotta cut. I gotta cut wherever I can. You know. What if you put some increase okay, my heat? Revenue. So you know you can like you can plug wires into a potato and use that to like light up a light bulb. Oh right? my god. Yes. So what if we plug some mm-hmm. really good wires into you, but like ones that carry a lot of heat and stuff too, yep. right? And then plug those into the LEDs so that now they're not generating more heat. They're just using your own body heat. How much more power does the human body generate than a potato? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, my guess would be just not that much more because that just seems like it's how There must work. be somebody who has like put some galvanized nails in their body and hooked it up to a light bulb to see. Would that work? Happen. You could just do that. I mean, why wouldn't it work? It works on a potato. If it works with a potato, there's not – I assume there's not a lot – maybe there is a lot going on in a potato. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> what if potatoes have been sentient this whole potatoes time? Potatoes have a very just, rich inner world. We just yeah. don't get it, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on in there. That's why they taste so good when they're fried. <laughs> it's the pain yeah. that they felt kind of baking in. Uh, all right. Next question comes from John. Now, speaking oh. of potatoes, oh, have you God. had purple potatoes? Yeah. They look like beets. Yeah, we had some this weekend and oh my God, they're fucking good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was it. Purple potatoes. Yeah, they're like they're like deep 
deep purple. Well, this so, is one of those things where you think there's only one kind of, for example, potato. Yeah. And then you realize that there's actually- I was actually, like, there's sweet potatoes and potatoes. Those yeah. are two kinds of potatoes. So I guess thin, the purple ones are like, they're grape potatoes, right? Basically, like grape flavored. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have- That's a, how I understand purple. Yeah, yeah. You have this whole rainbow variety of all of these things. There's just one or two that become the dominant ones that everybody likes to eat. But yeah. they're all good. They're I wonder how great. the green grape lobby feels about purple being associated with grape flavor. Mm, they must be question. pretty upset about it. Yeah. And actually, speaking, speaking of weird things and grapes, I also this weekend found long grapes. What? There, yeah. I was, so we were at the grocery <laughs> store getting stuff. We got some purple potatoes. The grocery know. store are you go. <laughs> I was walking by the grape section. Was it one of those ones that just like appears and then disappears? So there's like a one man in there. Yeah, I don't know. And there's a weird be, machine so that weird. tells you your fortune. <laughs> they were called. Uh, they were called moon drops because okay. they, they needed some way to, to. I don't know. But they were literally. They're like they're the same width as a normal as a normal one of these little fruits, right? Except it was literally like three times as long. <laughs> so Wait, they're like it, these weird little fingers. How does the end cap work? Is it still like kind of a bulgy end cap or is it like a pokey one, kind of like a pepper? Uh, they're actually a little bit inverted. Inverted? Yeah. I'm, I'm bamboozled. So, I <laughs> so I got some because I was like, I have to know. And it just tastes like basically a really sweet grape. So there's nothing really interesting about the taste. and But the, the appearance like really is creepy. It's just a long weird. <laughs> it's just a long weird. <laughs> It's a good thing they call them finger grapes. I feel like that would have been well because you got you've got fingerling potatoes, yeah. right? And so these are basically basically fingerling grapes. But I think because you always have to do something to a potato to eat it versus a grape, you just eat. And yeah. so if it's called a finger, it kind of feels like you're just eating a finger, yeah. which is wrong. You got to prepare it's that. A little finger. weird. So so I assume this weekend you're like I'm gonna go. I gotta go run some errands, and you're driving by, and then you see a big sign, and it's like Steve's Corner Store. We mm-hmm. got a special on purple potatoes and long grapes this weekend, <laughs> and you're like. I got to get in. I got to get uh-huh. in. Uh-huh. I got to get in on that. Yeah. I mean, my policy is if I see something that I haven't had before that strikes my fancy, I have to try that thing. And so long grapes really fit the bill. You have eaten a one. scorpion. So I feel like at this yeah. point, a slightly What's a long an grape? elongated grape. A long is, grape in some ways is weirder than a scorpion, you know? Because a scorpion, you know, you know exactly what you're getting into. Like you're, you're eating a scorpion. Yeah, right? we've it's all true. been there. A long grape, though. How did that eat Your whole come? life, your whole life, you've been eating grapes that are all exactly like one another, exactly normal shape. This reminds me of when I learned the true definition of a, what a berry is. Yeah. And then I discovered that watermelons are berries. Yeah. Tomatoes are berries. Raspberries are not berries. Are avocados berries? Yes. <laughs> most fruits are berries and most berries are not berries. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The world is topsy-turvy. Mm-hmm. Our next question comes from John Pat Chap. What sort of mental checklist, if any, do you go through to make sure you can tell the difference between a can we not and a I don't feel like it? Ooh. Basically, how do you make sure that your brain and your teammates' brains aren't secretly making excuses to be lazy? Brains love to do that kind of stuff. That is true. The question is, is there a difference That's, between, yeah. between being strategically lazy, which is what can we not is, and actually being lazy well it's about uh it's about the benefit of doing the thing correct right because if if doing the thing has a, a clearly enormous benefit but you then don't do it because you don't want to then you know that's not a can we not that's a i'd rather not situation because right, everything has a cost which is you got to do it yeah exactly you got to do it and so it's all about the reward of having done it and so the, the can we not philosophy is all about the fact that almost everything you do doesn't matter mm-hmm. but some things still do though and some things matter quite a bit. And, and a lot of things And matter. most of those things you still don't want to do. Yeah. And a lot of things matter a tiny bit. Yeah. And some things don't matter uniquely, but they matter sort of in the aggregate. Yeah. So like if I didn't go to the gym today, that's fine. Doesn't matter at all. If I didn't go tomorrow, that's also probably fine. If I don't go for 38 days in a row, it's going to start – I'm going to start to have a bad time. It's not fine anymore. You know. Yep. So, so I, how, do you, how do you tell the difference then when you're approaching a, a potential can we not scenario? Well, for for us, the can we not came down to finding things that were mostly cost with mm-hmm. basically no benefit. Or very hard to determine benefit. Yeah. Because there's some things where you, you can think, well, I, I can see how the, maybe this would be useful, except there's actually no way to ever find out. Mm-hmm. The cost is really high. And so even if you do that thing, you can you never get to find out if it was worth your while to do. And so for those also, sometimes we still do them anyway because we, we believe enough that it's probably important. But other times we say, well – we can never know if this was worth our while, so maybe we should just not do that. Thing. Yeah. So it's about understanding your goals and your values. Yeah. And then making decisions to do things that should adhere to your values and get you closer to your goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you say, hey, you know, it turns out that I've been logging our time and we are in meetings 
for 30 out of 40 hours of the week. What if instead of doing that, we did our jobs, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Unless your goal is to be in meetings most of the time. In which right. case, you're nailing it. Yep. 100%. And you cannot not because you must be mm-hmm. in those meetings. Yep. Um, yeah. And so, so really, it's just about, yeah, measure things, sort of figure out where your time is going. Well, I think it's, what, it's really just about asking those questions about what what the hell you're trying to extract out of something. Because I think the the – the beneficial thing about the can we not is not usually about just not doing something. It's about finding finding a better way to extract the same value yeah. without doing some part of the previous It's all operation. about the reason for the thing, not about the right. doing of the thing. Right. So in our case, for example, an easy one actually with, with Twitter. So we're always kind of ragging on Twitter about being a bit of a waste of time um, because we can't figure out how it could possibly be useful in the sort of the use of it on the daily that's required to build up what appears to be enough momentum to make it useful is very costly, at least so far as we've It's costly both, both in terms of time, but also by exposing yourself to the sort of um, style of communication that Twitter has, you in the long term make yourself far worse at focusing. Well, right. and even in the short term. In the short term, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it puts you into a distractible state. That is right. hard to recover from and, and actually get yeah. you. So but, the costs are actually enormously high to using that. Platform. But it's one of those things where we're like, we think there might be something in here, but we need to obviously limit how this works as far as how the studio goes. So one is that not everybody in the studio uses it at all. Uh, and then the other one is that we don't actually use Twitter itself to handle all that. So because we want to be able to put out communications through that thing as like a broadcast, but we don't have to go into Twitter to do that. So we use a program called Hootsuite. And then if I ever have a thing where I'm like, okay, we need to we need to schedule some social media stuff, then instead of doing it, you know, day by day, popping in on Twitter, writing the tweet there or copy pasting it in, you just schedule it all in one batch. You know, take two, three hours and schedule like a week or two of this content and then literally don't look at it. Do that once a week. Yeah. And so you can find those ways to sort of, okay, so for example, in this case, we think there might be some value in this thing, but not nearly enough to warrant the sort of usage that most people in, in using it in the way that most people do. So how can we get that value without, without suffering? Using? Yeah. And yeah. so you kind of play that game. Yeah. So it's not purely about not about just not doing things at all. It's about not doing certain aspects of yeah. things. It's, about, it's about just identifying low cost or sorry, high cost, low reward things. Well, I think which sim- is basically low leverage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And similarly, we so we have lots of design discussions about ideas um, that we have for the game and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of realizing that we had gotten into the habit of anytime one of us had an idea, just sort of flat out, we would quickly grab that other person and be like, hey, we need to talk about this. I just thought of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we'd like hit the whiteboard and then kind of debate it for an hour. Um, but then that was always kind of interruptive and derailing and it's hard to find time to focus if you don't know whether or not all of a sudden you'll be in a design meeting for the rest of the afternoon. So instead we shifted those design discussions over to Trello where if somebody had an idea, they would make a Trello card for it, uh, add the other person. They'd say, Hey, I thought this might be an interesting thing. You know, mm-hmm. here's, here's what I think it would look like. And then when the other person sees it over time, they'll add their comments. And then you just have this kind of – it's almost like then just like an email exchange mm-hmm. that's happening on when people have the time to think about it and discuss it. And it the discussions happen in a much more concise way as well right? because people will think about something for a while, let it kind of simmer, and then make a very brief comment about it. So we've kind of shifted a lot of our design discussions into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there, I mean the can we not is all about trimming the – Trimming the fat on all yeah. of your all of your interactions and all the things that you do. All right, and on the same on the same kind of a vein, we've got mm-hmm. a question from the Cake Gamer. Hey, BS Bros, I've been listening to the podcast daily uh, for a while now, and I'd really like to be in one. And it would be amazing if you answered this one. Mm. So there we go. Is it good? It better be good. That was, that was the whole thing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> my question is, how do you guys manage to get so motivated all the time? Is there a special trick or something you do, or is it just uh, your personality? By the way, do you like puns? Yes, we do. Yes. And motivation. The, the trick is we are not motivated all the time. This yeah. is a Facebook problem. When you when you go to Facebook, yeah. you see everybody presenting their best selves. People take a bunch of selfies, like 90 of them. Doing amazing things. And then, the they, yeah, and then they put a bunch of filters on them and then they pick the best one and they're like, oh, just snapped this casually, thought I was looking good, you know, <laughs> you know, um, and then you think and, and you see picture after picture after picture of this and you think this is just what this person looks like all the time mm-hmm. and they must be just amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, no, yeah, I and mean, also people take pictures of food when they go out to restaurants. 
Yeah, and you think fancy that, restaurants. Yeah. So the only pictures you're going to see of their food are of the things that other people made for them in expensive places. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and maybe but you don't see the the shitty toast that they made this morning, where they didn't even butter all the way to the edges. Yeah, or you see an athlete mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, like I I thought I looked good in this picture, so bleh," and it's like, "Oh, they had just finished a really intense workout." And they're all sweaty and like their abs are just rippling, you know, and it's like if you caught that person like right as they woke up in the morning, their stomach would kind of look like a like a like a stomach, like a blob, you know, (laughs) because because right after you work out, there's, you know, your muscles kind of swell and then you're also sweaty. So you get like the glinting of Mm -hmm. the sun, you know, and it's like that's when you you do not look like that at any time other than for five minutes, like right after you just really saying that the weekly podcast is essentially this. High dose appearance yeah. of us that seems like we're super motivated. Yeah, and if and if think about this, like, why would we want to talk about? Why would we be reading books like Deep Work, and why would we be talking about all these studio principles and stuff if we were just fine all the time? You know, uh, it's a constant struggle. Like you're always trying to find ways to do things better because things are like we're people, and our brains are people brains. Yeah, and they're get, always doing stupid shit. Well, they're complicated, to- <laughs> and you get tired of stuff. So I got a good example from last week. So I was on a eight day streak of doing my art practice. So the longest one I've ever had was like twenty one days, and both times, both at the twenty one day mark, and then what happened last Thursday, the same thing happened, which is that I got so damn tired of just waking up in the morning and doing my art for an hour. Even though, even though you can objectively kind of go down your checklist and be like, "This is really good for me. Yeah, it's I good feel for me. Good I care I about it." it. It's important, but after eight straight days of doing it, I was just sort of enraged. I, I don't like, want to. Yeah, I was like, no. <laughs> and so I was like, I need to do something else. And but I felt bad about it because it's the same question, which is which is the question I've always struggled with was as a person, knowing that I, you know, like the lazy brain idea, knowing that I will try to weasel my way out of things. Am I the sort of entity that can actually give myself a break? So if I'm working for eight days straight and then I'm like, I feel like I don't want to do this right now. Am I the person who should be able to have that power to give me a, you know, relaxation session or to break? Yeah, well, this is that question of cheat days, right? That people also use for dieting and exercise Correct. and all kinds of stuff, which if you're if you're living for the cheat day, right, then are you living? So it's the thing, but <laughs> but the thing is like I've genuinely been living for doing the art on those days, but just after eight days of it, I just wanted to explode. Yeah, and I think, so, yeah which is then a very different thing, I think. If yeah. You're just like, so it became this and, – and, you know – you know, we talk about this stuff on the podcast as far as how you figure out how to practice, you know, plugging in these times. But the reality is that there's always these ebbs and flows to all this stuff. And I think learning your own style and then and then getting to a point where you can trust that you're not just kind of like the previous question, the can we not question, that you're not just giving yourself a pass to be lazy, but that you genuinely, you know, you've done a bunch of good work and now it's time to kind of kick back a little bit and let your brain rest. Yeah. And I think there's I think there's a big misconception about motivation. Mm-hmm. Which is that motivation is all about willpower, which is sort of like I used to be in that camp, I think, pretty firmly. Yeah. Like it was all about you and like you need to do you need to come to yeah. the table with this tank of willpower. So you're saying like all else equal, it's time to just start going to the gym, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. Um and so I actually have a talk on uh YouTube called Do What You Want, which is about it's about this problem. I think I think the best the best kind of analogy would be if you think of sort of the the forces in your life as being a river, um, then but being motivated is swimming upstream. Like yep. you're just constantly battling everything that's pushing you in a very specific direction. But if you instead build a bunch of dams, yes, and let the river go where you, you want get a it to flotilla go. of boats with you, right? You you, know? you change you change the current. You do something to get into a different river that's going a different direction, mm-hmm. right? Or get some tools like boats that are mm-hmm. gonna that are gonna assist you, right? Or friends, right? Um, yeah. So so if you like, one of the things that I did was was I I think that like many people, I have a, addictive aspects of my personality, and I get I sort of like fall into traps mm-hmm. like Reddit or YouTube or whatever. And I know this about myself. So one of the things I did was I literally blocked Reddit at the router level at my house. Perfect. Uh, so that as long as I'm on my Wi-Fi at my house, I just can't – I just can't go there. Mm-hmm. E- even if I need to go there for work, it's like, well, I'll, I'll go when I get to work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's an important thing to do. And and after doing that for six months uh, – You feel when, less. Yeah. It's, yeah. It just kind of goes away, right? And so uh, – or things like knowing that that it's hard for you to be motivated to, to run in the morning, but it's something you want to do, right? Well, then you need to start – making a list of like, what are the things that make it so fucking hard? 
And like, what are the, what are the barriers when I wake up in the morning? You know, maybe it's like, I don't want to get out of bed. Okay. Well put your alarm in the kitchen, you know, yeah. oh, I don't want to get dressed. Okay. Go to bed in your gym clothes. Well, I mean, put your shoes next to the alarm clock. Right. And there's, there's <laughs> right. even other ways to come at it, which is the thing I've experienced this year in particular with the, the art teacher that I'd gotten, um, was that having someone else be the one who was responsible for cracking the whip. Get a coach. Made it so much easier yeah. to do everything. Well, this so, is also what's really helpful in the studio is because yeah. the, the reason we have – so we know lots of companies that don't have a, an official start time or a stop mm-hmm. time or whatever. Uh, but if you have those things, you don't have to be motivated anymore. You don't yeah. have to be like – You're just, you just, you're just supposed to be you're there. You're supposed to be there. Yeah. You know? you're, you're basically following rules that, that you have agreed that you will follow. Right? It doesn't matter how you feel about it. You're yeah. supposed to be there. Otherwise, you're late and being late is, is bad. Right? Yeah. Um, and everybody else is already there and they're going to be like, ugh, and they're going to give you the side eye you yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so to motivate you. It's way easier <laughs> to come into the office and work because everybody's here working. It's way easier to go for a run if you have a running group, for example, that you go on runs with in the morning who are counting on you to appear yeah. somewhere. Yeah. So there's there's plenty of ways you can do it where you don't have to be so – And especially if, if like if nobody – if none of you know each other's phone numbers but you're not allowed to leave until everybody is there because now you can't just mm, send them a text yeah, and be like – Yeah. That's a phone one. Yeah. You say or, – or if you do have everybody's phone numbers, you say phones are off. The, from, mm-hmm. Like from the moment you wake up, your phone is off, and there is no you don't you don't get to cheat out of there's it. No getting out of it. You're gonna you're gonna have to deal with the social issues of standing somebody up who didn't know about it, and forcing them know, to wait, which means you'll probably just show up. Yeah, you know, because I, I do think that 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 smartphones and texting and all this stuff does make it so much easier to cancel plans and get out of things. Oh yeah. Uh, so so yeah. So it's not a personal problem. It's a structural problem. Yeah. And, and just like, for example, in that book, um, like The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up or books like The Power of Habit, which are excellent books about about this exact thing, which is that by by taking a really hard look at your surroundings and at your processes for doing all the things that you habitually do in your life, you will discover that that over time, you will just sort of automatically construct your life to make yourself super lazy. Yeah. Like that's just an automatic behavior that everybody has, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so you need to constantly disrupt it and make dramatic changes to things to kind of like spark yourself back into having a good structure to get things done. Yeah, and it's mostly about the, the willpower you need is a willpower to set up the external things now that will then Hold make you it so you don't – Yeah, so they'll be held accountable later. I mean like I have a piano teacher. I probably would not be playing piano anymore. And I probably wouldn't – I probably would have stopped three months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, My if, new favorite thing. If I didn't go, have somebody weekly checking it. <laughs> yeah. On Tuesdays, I go to – there's a three-hour figure drawing group that meets up in the St. Louis Artist Guild. And it costs money. So if I – as soon as I appear there, you then go. I have – I'm like, I'm going to stay here for – Three hours. I paid now. my ten bucks. I'm right. sticking around. And before it was like if I got a three hour chunk of time, I would get that maybe once every like three or four weeks in terms of this art practice thing. But now I get it literally every week. But also, if you have a three hour, you have a three hour chunk of time. If you're like, I'm going to draw at home. You know, there you are, like sitting right next to your Nintendo Switch, your TV, mm-hmm. your computer. You know, your wife is there. You want to chat with her. Yep. There's great food. And you're like, nope. I'm supposed to just ignore all this stuff for three. Like, this is a structural problem. Yeah. What am I, Hercules? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. You go to an art class for three hours yeah. where you've got no fucking option, and you spent money on it so that you would feel like you're ripping yourself off if you yeah. didn't. Yeah. You sometimes you have to forget about the sunk cost fallacy and just just roll in it. Yep. Yeah. Like I've spent the money and now I got to get my money's worth. Exactly. No, you could just walk out of that class That's at any fantastic. time, but. Yeah. But also, you know, you also then create a social pressure for yourself because you don't want to be the person who like everybody stares at as you just like walk out in the middle of the class. And, I'm going to go watch Netflix. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So don't. Uh, yeah. It, I think find those find those external structures and take the pressure off yourself is basically the idea, because I think I mean, I mean culturally, I think in the in the states in particular, there's this there's this big myth about individuals being the sort of superpower of the thing. And the reality is you have to be in a good in a good uh, setting and you have to be in a good structure for all this stuff to actually work on an individual level. And you can see that some people, sometimes you'll switch jobs or you'll, you know, switch to a different friend group or whatever else. And you your whole life just gets better because you're in a, you better hit a, setting. You hit a reset. Yeah. A better structured setting lets you do what you want. Yeah. So that's, that's where to put your focus, do that. And that's why we recommend books like yeah, deep work, the power of habit, life-changing magic of tidying up. Mm-hmm. If you just feel kind of like overwhelmed and like your home life is chaos, you know, Maybe watch some Queer Eye because they it's got good. some they got some good tips in mm-hmm. there as well. <laughs> get a haircut. Get a haircut. You know, shave. Um, redo your living room or something. Mm-hmm. You know? Man, it is still the case. Every, every once in a while, I'm just kind of tired of stuff. I just go like 
just groom like a maniac. It's just like mm-hmm. trim just all of the hair, like buzz my yeah. make my scalp nice and smooth, you know, just like do the whole thing. There's something about that experience. This is what I just love. Take control. What I love about having a shaved head is that like Every th- every three or four days, I get just this like totally smooth reset. Where I just I just feel so good. I'm just like everything. It's kind of like when you fill up your gas tank and mm. you're just like, I'm ready. This is fine. I don't have to worry about this. Yeah, now yeah. for quite a while. You know, I could yep. go any. I could go 400 miles or whatever. Yeah. Well, I think this is why why uh, appearance is important to in in that sense, right? Because it changes how you view yourself. It changes how you view yourself and how other people view yeah, you. Yeah, but, but I mean, even like if you're working from home, because we talked about this in the past too, right? It's so easy just to be like, well, I'm, like, I'm at home. I get to just look however the fuck I want, right? And so you put no time into yourself. You don't do any of your grooming. You don't do any of your stuff that you would do if you were going to go out. It doesn't mean you have to do like necessarily all the things you would do, right? But just by doing something. So for me, it's like I'm, I'm always wearing the same kind of pants I would go outside with, mm-hmm. right? Always. So that if you ever need to do an errand or whatever. Well, it's not even that. I just – if I'm not, then I just feel – I don't feel like I'm a full human being and I'm not going to get anything done. Yeah. I don't, I don't guarantee not to get anything done. I don't actually own sweatpants. I don't either. Yeah, I do. I own one pair of pajama pants and my, and my workout shirts are of the kind where if I, if I did, if somebody saw me, they wouldn't quite know whether it was a workout shirt or if I was just wearing like, I actually just work out in my, in the shirts that I'm normally wearing. Right. Cause that way also (laughs) fewer clothes to change, you know? That is that is true. How That's much one sweat lesson. are you producing that you need tech to wick it off your body? You yeah. know what I mean. I, I have a lot. Right, as so we discussed, but that's, that's what I have a lot of eye sweat. Bring a towel because I got those hot eyes. So yeah. then, <laughs> this some people call them tears. I call it eye sweat. You know, mm-hmm. while I'm working out, just really weeping. just yep. really just kind of like gets. That, I get the tear juice does really kind of clog up your pores. It's very salty. I need a lot of Gatorade, you know, to replenish my ducts. Yeah. All right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. If you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server at discord.gg slash bscotch and come say hello. Also, if you'd like to adorn your body with Butterscotch merch, you can check out our shop over at shop.bscotch.net. Or if you'd like to send us something, we have a mailbox, which you can find the address for over at mailbox.bscotch.net. Uh, if you would like to donate to the podcast, we have donations open at moneygrab.bscotch.net. And of course, as discussed earlier, we have the Shenanicon coming, which tickets are 15 bucks. It's on October 20th. It's going to be awesome. All details over at meet. Exercise that practice of not having to have willpower by just doing it right now. There you go. Just go to meet.bscotch.net. <laughs> yeah. Do yourself a huge favor. Go over to meet.bscotch.net yeah. and buy a ticket. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. good to go. And now, now you've obligated yourself, so now you got to make some travel plans. you got to do it because it. sunk cost fallacy. Exactly. So. All right. Well, thank, <laughs> you all for, <laughs> thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.